Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. We thank you for encountering us this morning. Lord, you're in this place. You are with us. Lord, your word says that we're in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus is in us. And he said he's in you. Lord, there's one body, one spirit, one God and Father of all. Lord, we give you glory this morning. Lord, Jesus said that it was good that he went to you, Father, that we wouldn't be left alone. He said he was going to send us the Holy Spirit and that when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Father, I just ask that you would be in this place, that you would let your righteousness and holiness dwell in this place. Your grace and your mercy and your love fill this place. Lord Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and reveal all truth to us. Lord, we pray as your word is read. And that as your presence fills this place, that he would reveal truth in our hearts and minds and souls. That he would open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see. Or that we would be transformed by the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. Or all glory and honor and power and praise to you and you alone. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us for worship. If you're a guest, welcome. This morning we're finishing a series that we started a few weeks ago called Foundations. And this morning we're going to be looking at the foundational principle of the body of Christ. Before we get into that, I want us to remember that the foundation, and we've pointed out this in every message, the foundation is Jesus Christ. God made himself very clear in his word that only what is built on the rock of Jesus Christ will stand. We touched on Jesus' parable on the rock and the sand in the last couple of weeks as well. He said that everything that is built on the rock will stand and everything that is built on the sand will fall, will crumble. He even said great will be its fall. In Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20, It says, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. That sounds a lot like a foundation, doesn't it? The rock that everything is built upon. Verse 18, 
And he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is preeminent, first and foremost. Did it say that he should be preeminent every once in a while? Or in some things? No. It says all the time, in everything, he is to be first. And what happens to the things that we don't put Jesus Christ first in? They fall. They'll crumble. They will not last. We saw the last two weeks in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 through 28, this principle. And we're going to look at those couple verses again. God said, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Why? In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God himself will make sure that only what is built on Jesus Christ will stand. It's not that other things can't hold a priority or importance in our life. The question is whether Jesus Christ holds the first place, the most important place in our life before anything and everything and everyone else. Who are we putting first or what are we putting first? It's easy for us to say that we're putting someone or something as a priority in our life. It's a much different thing to actually do it. We have to be very honest with ourselves this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to reveal to us anything that we've put in place above, first, in front of Jesus Christ. And if we have, then we need to repent And ask God to let it crumble, let it fall. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, that we all need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said we're to love God first with every aspect of who we are, every dimension of ourself, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And after we've done that, we're to love those around us. Other people and certainly all other things have to come after God. This puts a verse that I referenced last Sunday in a different perspective. I said we'd look at it more uh, this week, and we're about to do that. It's actually found in this same chapter of Hebrews that we were just looking at, chapter 12. But it's the the very beginning of that chapter, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you might ask, what's the great cloud of witnesses? It's the body of Christ. 
And the body of Christ includes those who have gone before, those who are here now, and those who will come ahead of us. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder. Jesus Christ is the founder, the author, the leader, the predecessor, the one that comes before, the one that is preeminent, first in all things. Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This passage started out by saying, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by the body of Christ, let us lay aside everything that would hold us back, every weight, every sin that would entangle us so we can run with endurance We're supposed to encourage one another. Be there for one another. We have a body around us for a reason, for a purpose. And he's the author saying that's why they're there. Since you are surrounded by the body of Christ, lay off, lay aside those weights and sins and pursue Jesus with everything that you have. And he finishes with, in our struggle against sin, we have, haven't yet resisted to the point of shedding our blood. That's the point that Jesus went to. He literally shed his blood and gave his life for us that we might be alive in him. And here's the different perspective that I came to. Our focus isn't supposed to be on not sinning. Jesus never said, don't sin with all your heart. Don't sin with all your soul. Don't sin with all your mind. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Our goal, our struggle, our purpose in life is not to live a sinless life. He has called us to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're to seek that relationship with every aspect, every part of our being. We can be successful in putting off sin and everything that entangles us as we were encouraged to in that passage, but not when we try not to sin, when we give Jesus Christ everything, when we seek after Him with everything that we are and everything that we have with every dimension of our being. This message is all about relationship. You are not alone. I am not alone. We are not alone. 
We are called first and foremost to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that relationship has been made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Through the blood that He shed. He paid a high price for this relationship. We should give it some of our effort. We should seek Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. He's worth it. He deserves it. He's the only one, the only being worth it. He desires a relationship with you. He loves you more than you can understand. We are called to put Him first. And then those around us. And those around us start with those closest to us. We're supposed to love and sacrifice for our spouses. Men, you're supposed to put your wife first after Christ. Women, you're called to put your husband first after Christ. Then our children. And then the body of Christ and those around us and the lost. We're called to encourage and love them as we love ourselves. We talked about it last week. And Hebrews 12.4 makes it clear that we're supposed to put forth effort. No strong, healthy relationship happens by accident. And even once it's made, it takes constant effort to keep it strong. If you get into a strong, healthy relationship with someone and then stop working on it, it isn't going to say stay strong and healthy. It takes constant effort. God is clearly calling us to put a hundred percent of our effort into every dimension of our relationship with Him. Heart, soul, body, mind, every aspect of us, He said we're to give it to Him first. Let me give you an earthly example of what I'm talking about, and it puts, certainly puts me to shame. I won't speak for any of you. My wife and I uh, were watching in the last, I don't know, week, couple weeks, a documentary on Michael Jordan. For some of you younger people who don't know who Michael Jordan is, maybe you all do. He was, he was probably the best basketball player who's ever played in the NBA. But as we were watching this documentary, and the funny thing is that the difference between men and women, I think Candy's, uh, because of, he, wasn't, he wasn't operating in... Love, let me put it that way. And so I think her her viewpoint of him kind of diminished a little bit, seeing how he treated his teammates and those around us. But it actually made me at least respect one aspect more. And it's that verse that we just read about, you haven't shed blood yet trying to not sin. You haven't shed your blood in seeking Christ with everything that you have. I know I haven't. But watching him, and it wasn't just his personal testimony, it was the testimony of every teammate he ever played with, every coach that he ever played with, every opponent that he ever played against. One person said, if he had an on and off switch, he never turned it off. He was always on. He was always giving 100%, everything that he had, physically, mentally, 
Everything that was within him, he gave to be the best he could possibly be. And it didn't matter if it was practice. They said he was always on in practice. He was always on in the workout room. He was always on on the court. He was always on wherever he was. And if you were his teammate and weren't always on, you were going to get it. He expected you to do the same as he was going to put in. Because he knew he couldn't do it by himself. And he tried in the beginning of his career. But it wasn't until he learned that he did need his teammates. He couldn't do it alone. And he started to press them as hard as he pressed himself. But I watched that and I was thinking, this guy put in that kind of effort for a game. To get a ball into a hoop. And it's impressive. His career is impressive. I'm not knocking that, but... If he could put that kind of effort into a game, how can we not put that kind of effort into our relationship with God? The one who loves us so much that he sent his own son to die. We just read a moment ago that it pleased him for the fullness of the Godhead to dwell in Jesus Christ and live in him as he walked on this earth and gave himself up for us for a relationship with us. And he died on a cross and he rose again. And in his very own words, he said, what I ask from you is that you love me with everything that you have, with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your mind. That's what it takes. And this convicts me because I know, I know, I know I haven't given it everything that I have. I know that I haven't been the husband that I'm called to be and loved candy second to Christ. I haven't given my marriage everything that I have. I haven't given my children everything that I have. I haven't given the body of Christ, everyone in this room, the the believers in this community and beyond, I haven't given it all that I have. God, forgive me. It doesn't mean that I'm not saved. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just haven't given it everything I have. But that's what we're called for. Yes, I am. (laughs) Teresa said, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. And I'm not standing here in guilt or shame. I'm standing here with conviction. Because I know I'm called to more. We're called to more. The body of Christ is called to more. We have to give it everything that we have. It's a relationship. He wants to be in a relationship with you. What we're seeing in the college campuses around the country right now is is young people who are giving him their time. They're giving him their focus. They're seeking him first. And guess what? He's meeting them there. That's what we're all called to do. We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 4. It's in this chapter that it's the verse that actually started me on this whole series is found. And we'll get there in just a moment, but we're going to start with verse 1. He says, this is Paul speaking, he says, I therefore, 
a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Again, I'm reminded of Michael. He would, they showed things of him just pushing his teammates and be like, come on, get with it. That's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians. He's encouraging the body of Christ. He's saying, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Again, we see encouragement. To walk in a manner worthy of our calling. To bear with each other in love. Eagerly maintaining unity in the Holy Spirit. Paul demonstrated this in his letters. That he was a part of the body of Christ. And he was going to encourage his brothers and sisters in Christ. We are part of that same body. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There's just one body, the body of Christ, and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. And he wants a relationship with us. But it can't be one-sided. We have to seek Him. Verse 11. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You might be familiar with that verse 12, that we're called and gifted to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But what about the second part? So that we are all equipped to build up the body of Christ. We're called to build one another up. We're called to encourage one another. And what does it say? Until some of us attain? Until some of us make it? No. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. It's not just about us as individuals. It's about us as the body of Christ. We're supposed to be there for one another. We're supposed to encourage one another, push one another, press one another to be everything that you are called to be in Christ Jesus. We are all called to make it, to attain full maturity in Him. And it's not about us doing it by ourselves. It's about us doing it as a body, the body of Christ. And that's bigger than New Covenant Church. We aren't the body of Christ in Lampasas, Texas. The body of Christ is all over this city. It's all over this state. It's all over this nation. It's all over this world. And we are called as one body to follow Him, to build one another up, to encourage. 
Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I've looked at that verse before and just think, okay, like again, we in America, we have such an issue with taking everything to the individual. It's not about us by ourselves. I would read that and be like, okay, I have to get stronger, so I'm not tossed to and fro. But the context of this verse is in the body of Christ, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The reason that we shouldn't be tossed to and fro is because when we are weak, when we are failing, when we are falling, there should be a brother or sister in Christ right next to us, holding us up, encouraging us, praying for us, praying with us. You're not alone. We were never called to be alone. We're part of a body. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What does every part working properly look like? Loving God with every dimension of ourself, heart, soul, and mind first. And then loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, Building the body of Christ up in Jesus Christ. And those who are around us, in return, building us up. The marriage conference that Kenny and I went to a while back, one of the things that they said is very rarely are both of you in the relationship at a good and healthy place. One of you almost always is needing the encouragement, the support, the strength of the other one. And then when you get weak, they're strong. And they can hold you up and help you bear your burden. And then it just goes, it goes back and forth. That's what we're called to in the body of Christ. We cannot always have it together. We can't always be strong. But there's someone around you who is in a place that they can be strong with you and support you and hold you and encourage you. And not too far down the road, you'll most likely get the opportunity to repay the favor. And be there for them. Verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We're called to actively participate with God in the work that he's doing in our lives. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. The one created after the likeness of God. And again, we don't do that. Or we do that by putting Jesus Christ first. Making him preeminent in all things. Everything else will flow from that. We do it by giving it everything that we have. A hundred percent with every dimension of our being. 
If you see a brother or sister around you who needs or who is discouraged, encourage them. Pray for them. We're not alone. Encourage them with your walk. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we should be able to tell them about the last time we heard His voice. Of how the relationship that we have in Him gives us strength. That He's our hope. That He's our refuge. That He's our fortress. If that's our relationship with Him, if that's our testimony, we can have an encouraging word with that, with our testimony. If it's not our testimony, we're not seeking Him first. Before we can help anybody else, you have to help yourself. Seek Him first. Give Him all of your heart, soul, and mind. Then you'll be ready to love the neighbor that's next to you. It's like that plain thing. It says, put your mask on before you pass out and can't help anybody around you. Seek Him first. And then you'll have something within you. You'll have His love, His hope, His heart for those around you. Verse 29. This is the verse that he had me stuck on for so long that started this whole series. Let no corrupting words, unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, for encouraging, for blessing as it fits the occasion that it may give grace or be a blessing to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I've gotten a different perspective of this passage and also of Hebrews 12 as we've gone through this series. Because it, oftentimes we want to put all of our effort or strength into not doing things. I'm going to not say those things that I'm in the habit of saying. I'm going to not do those destructive habits that I've been in the habit of doing. And we try to put our effort in the nots and we fail <laughs> over and over and over again. I don't think it's possible for us to keep ourselves from or not allow ourselves to have an unwholesome or foul or worthless or vulgar, vulgar word come out of our mouth. Not through sheer willpower, not through trying harder. We can't do it that way. Not saying unwholesome things isn't our goal. Remember, not sinning in general isn't our goal. Our goal is to put our relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost in everything. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with every aspect of our being. To be in relationship, an intimate, real relationship with Him. And then to love those around us like we love ourselves. If we keep those two things in order, then everything that we build in our life will be built on the rock of Jesus Christ. 
And nothing that we build will fall and crumble. Because we put Him first. Most of us probably know that passage by memory that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. But we have to keep the priority order right. Jesus Christ has to come first. I'm going to close this morning with an odd example. It's about pickleball. I don't know if y'all have heard of pickleball or not, but it's a game kind of like uh, tennis. It's played with these little paddles in about half the tennis court. Um, and Candy and I have been playing for a while. And we played it at the marriage retreat that we were at um, a few, I guess it's been a month or so ago now. And uh, one of the things that, that I've mentioned before is that Candy and I are very competitive. And we're competitive with each other. We're competitive in our whole household. Uh, where it doesn't matter if we're playing a board game, a physical game, whatever. We're competitive. Um, and we don't have to be good at it either. Um, if we could we could have zero skill in a game, but we're still going to be competitive. And so we were playing this other couple, and everybody that was at that particular marriage retreat was it was just for senior pastors and their wives. So this other couple that we were playing with uh, was a senior pastor and his wife. And I wish I could say that I was the positive um, point of this example. I'm not. Um, <laughs> if you were living, I think North, no Florida. They were in Florida, I think. Uh, I was going to say, if you were living in Florida, you could go to his church because he's more mature than this guy. Um, but so, so we're, and they were competitive too. I mean, they were giving it everything they had. Uh, but so we start playing this game with them, and and it was after Amy had come. You know, we talked about the pain cycle and the peace cycle, and how you know we say negative things and somebody else will respond negatively, or you know, if every once in a while somebody actually says something positive, that can break that whole cycle. And so we start playing, and, you know, Candy and I are giving it everything we got. We're going to, you know, smash, crush these, this other couple in this game. And we, we do. I mean, we win. I'll tell, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you that part. We won. But as we're winning, uh, and as we're beating them, this guy, he just keeps on and on and on. Every, great shot. Good serve. He'd miss one. Man, that was awesome. I mean, just constant encouragement as he's losing and as his wife is losing. And, you know, for a while, Kenny and I are playing our normal game, but it's like, it's just tearing me up. I'm like, and again, I didn't stop trying to win. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go, we didn't go that far. But I just, I couldn't, I wasn't going to like celebrate after I slammed it on him. And he's, you know, telling me how great of a shot I just did. I was like, oh, thank you. You know, and... And then something changed, and I talked about it you know, pretty shortly after, after it was over with Candy. I started to encourage him. That's not me when I'm playing a game. I don't encourage my opponent. But I couldn't help it. I, I literally couldn't help it. I started saying, man, that was a great shot. Or his wife hit, that was a great serve. Yeah, that, you know, and we'd miss a point, or they'd score. Awesome point, awesome shot. But it wasn't because of what was in me. It was because of what was in him. He was an encourager. And even in a game, he was going to encourage us. And I couldn't help but encourage him. That's what we're talking about here. That's what the body of Christ is talking about. We're here for each other. 
If we love God first, if we put Him first, if we love Him with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul, we can't help but love our neighbor. And when we love our neighbor, they can't help but love those around us. It's just the way that it works. And I just pray this morning that, again, God's presence would be in this place because when His presence is here, when His righteousness is here, when His holiness is here, we can't help but be convicted of the areas in our life that we're not putting Him first. And I just pray as we close here in a moment and as we uh, close in worship that you would be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is seeking to you. Ask Him, Father, what am I putting in front of you? And when he tells you, repent, ask for forgiveness, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. And you can love him with everything that you have. He deserves more of our effort than a basketball game. He deserves everything that we have to give him. It's what we're called to in the body of Christ. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. God, thank you that we are not alone. Lord, that you love us, that you desire to be in a personal, close relationship with us. Lord, I thank you that even in this room, we're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who are here to be there for each other. Father, let us take off, take our focus off of the weights and the sins that have entangled us and put our eyes on you, on Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we give you everything that we have. And then that we'd encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to do the same. Father, encounter us this morning. Transform us. We give you all glory and honor and praise. There's a ministry team available to pray with you in the back. Respond to him this morning.
Five, six, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Father, I just pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for you. Lord, that we would seek your Son, Jesus Christ, with everything that we have, with all of our heart, with all of our soul with all of our mind. And I know that I know that I know if we do, we will be satisfied in the life of Jesus Christ. A relationship with you where we literally hear your voice. Where we can know you intimately and respond to that love. Lord, it's who you are. It's real. Give us the strength to give it all we have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank y'all for being here this morning. We will be praying for you and encouraging you any way that we can. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message.